Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Most of all, first of all, I wish to thank you all for your prayers over the last 24 hours. For me, in the time span I had for preparation, it's such an encouragement to know that God's people are praying for you and interceding on your behalf. And it is hopefully evident this morning as I seek to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, just a portion of it. (laughs) Sermon on the Mount, our Lord's own sermon. How humbling it is to look at this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, what a paradox. How great is that darkness. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to thee this morning. Lord, humbled by what we've already sang. Lord, we we were singing the word of God in psalms. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Lord, we even read this, uh, sang the psalm that mentioned about considering the heavens, the stars and the moons that you've created. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. Lord, that's when he was looking at creation. Lord God, how humbled we are when we look at the sacrifice you gave of your own son for such sinners as ourselves. Oh, dear God, I pray that, Lord, you'd be honored and glorified this day. And I pray you'd help my feeble efforts in preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. But I pray most of all that you'd be honored and glorified by bringing and drawing the hearts of your children closer to you. Show us this morning, dear God, the value of true treasure in heaven and the corruption of treasures upon earth. Help us to distinguish the difference. Lord, help us to see, Lord God, that treasures in heaven is what we need to be laying up. And Lord, help us to reject and disregard the treasures upon earth, tempting as they be. Lord, help us, Lord God, to be reminded that they're temporal, corrupt. Father, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified this morning in all that we say and do. For it's in Christ's name we ask these things. We do ask these things in his name's sake and for his glory. Amen and amen. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Very simplistic and yet 
majestic. Would you know a man's true treasure? Would we know our own? Then the scripture here says to follow our hearts and affections. Where do they lie this morning? For they shall reveal every man's true treasure. For the heart followeth, according to scripture, whatever it values, esteems, or treasures. You want to know a man's true treasure, follow his heart. You want to know what a man values more than anything, follow his affections. What does he love the most? What do we love the most? Let us begin this morning with this great question and let us consider it ourselves. What do we love the most? What is that that draws our affections and our hearts more than anything else? What do we desire more than anything? Whatever that might be, that is exactly where our treasure lies. The course of our lives, the pursuit of our happiness, even according to Scripture, even the very words that we speak are all in accordance to the abundance of our heart. Man speaketh according to the abundance of his heart, Christ said in Matthew chapter 12. So if we really want to know where our treasures lie, we only need to examine our hearts and our affections. What do we love? What do we esteem? What do we value the most? If it not be Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And that man who layeth up treasure upon earth is merely a pauper or a beggar disguised as a king. Yet those who layeth up for themselves treasure in heaven may now appear as beggars who feast like Lazarus on the crumbs which fall from the tables of the earth, yet we are truly rich toward God. He appeared to be a beggar and was satisfied with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, yet in reality he was a king. Whereas the rich man turned out to be a pauper after he died. One was found in the bosom of Abraham, the other one found in the pits of hell. Oh, truly, we know where our treasure is if we just follow our affections and our hearts. If we could but gaze upon the treasures we have over the years laid up, and this is worth pondering today, if we could but gaze upon the treasures we have over the years laid up, would they merely be a pile of corrupted, moth-filled, and rusted waste? Or are they reserved in heaven? Incorruptible, undefiled, faded not away, kept by the power of God. Oh, that's worthy of our contemplation. What treasures have I laid up in my life? For, beloved, every man is laying up treasures for himself. It's just a matter if they are upon earth or in heaven. Every man is laying up treasure for himself. I want you to notice, first of all, this morning, that both 
in our text, verse 19 and 20. Let me read it. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures upon earth, treasures in heaven. Both are considered by our Lord to be treasures. Even the ones upon earth, he calls them treasures. Yet one is a treasure that is vain and temporal at most, he says. For he says, moth and rust doth corrupt it, and thieves break in and steal it. Now, he doesn't define what these treasures are. He simply says they're treasures. Whatever we value, whatever we esteem in our hearts and affections is the treasure he's speaking of. Even though he is primarily speaking of wealth and riches, he's actually saying anything that we treasure, even ourselves, even our loved ones, anything that we value and esteem, is a treasure. He doesn't tell us what the treasures are in heaven. He doesn't want to tell us what the treasures are upon earth. He simply defines one as being vain and corrupt and temporal, and the other one eternal. It's in heaven. Look, there's a very sobering truth within these words which those who have lived life long enough upon earth know too well. For everything we own, everything we possess upon earth, belongs to a passing world. Another thing worth our contemplation. Do you know that? Everything that you and I own, everything that you and I possess in this world is or belongs to a passing world. We are just a fleck in time, a twinkling of an eye. We're just a twinkling of an eye, a vapor. That's all we are. Everything we own, everything we everything you see with your eyes this morning, everything that we can gaze upon belongs to a passing world. There's no substance to it. In 40 years, most of us will not even be here. Few of you might, Lord willing. We won't be here. 10 or 20 years. We don't know, maybe tomorrow, but I'm simply saying we belong to a passing world. Everything we own, everything we possess belongs to a passing world. There's no substance to it. Everything everything material, everything, material, wealth, health, even friends, family, and loved ones, everything we can see with our eyes cannot escape the moth and rust and corruption of time. Do you know that? Anything we can see with our eyes, anything we own or possess cannot escape the moth and rust and corruption of time. That's what moth and rust refers to when he says where moth and rust does corrupt. That means over time. Consider that for a moment when you're considering treasures that we lay up. How often in our lifetime have we gathered, and we have all at some time or another, gathered up treasures upon earth that didn't last? We thought they would last forever, but they didn't. The corruption of moth and rust, the corruption of time, took them away. And if the moth and rust of time do not corrupt them, the Lord said, thieves will break through and steal them. What's he mean by that? Well, if 
time does not corrupt them. Thieves break through and steal them. What's he mean by thieves breaking through? Well, that's unexpected circumstances happen. And thieves come in and take things away from us. If time doesn't corrupt them, thieves will take them away from us. I'm not talking merely about material goods and wealth and riches. I'm talking about friends, family, and loved ones. People we cherish and love and esteem. Sometimes thieves break through and steal them in this present life. That's a painstaking thought. And believe me, from my own personal experience, it's a painstaking experience. When unexpected circumstances take that which you cherish and love. It's all part of the passing world we live in. And sometimes it takes those things that are very valuable to us. The passing world, the treasures upon earth are vain and corrupt and temporal at most. And yet people spend their whole lives laying these treasures up. Giving all their effort and time and energy to things that are corrupt and that moth and rust shall corrupt and that thieves might come in and steal. What am I saying? I'm saying, beloved, never settle yourself on anything in this world because nothing in this world is eternal. Nothing is eternal. Wealth, riches, family, friends, loved ones, nothing is eternal. Everything, everything in this world dwells in a passing world. So he's not simply talking about material goods. Look in Luke chapter 12. This is a very sobering thought. And yet it's one that Christ would have us consider. Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read the whole context from 13 to 40 because it all goes in together. Luke chapter 12, beginning in 13. Watch this. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. He said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Anything. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns. I will build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up, laid up, laid up for my for many years. Laying up means to store, hoard, gather up. Take heed, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. But it doesn't end there. Actually goes further. Watch this. And he said unto disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. 
Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then not be able to do that thing which is least, why take thou thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory is not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Now let me stop there for a minute. He's not just talking about people who have wealth and riches. He's talking about anything. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye, now listen to this, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens. Sounds like... Matthew 6, that faileth not, where no thief reproacheth, neither moth corrupteth, sounded like Matthew. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves liken the men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. See, that all combines together with what our Lord's saying in the Sermon on the Mount about treasures upon earth. I have much. I have many things stored up. Laying up actually means, like I said, storing up or hoarding, getting things together. And the world does that with the greatest energy, the greatest effort. They work and they labor. And I'm, I'm ahead of myself, but you know sometimes they put us to shame. They labor more for the earthly treasure than we do for the heavenly. They are more fervent in seeking out earthly treasure than we are heavenly. And we have a greater reason to be more diligent than they are. I've seen people on the job work seven days a week, 12 hours a day to get their money, to advance their job, advance their business. All for earthly treasures. And Christians, Christians, we hardly lift a finger to lay up treasures in heaven. They often put us to shame, and our Lord says this here. This is what this man did. This man said, well, I've got a lot of riches. I've got a lot of goods. I'll store them in my barn, and I can take my ease and be happy. I knew a man in Germany. <clears throat> he was a Polak. That, I, he was a real Polak from Poland. Didn't want anybody to think I was being belligerent here, but he was a Polak from Poland, little short guy. This guy lived for retirement. That's all he talked about. He'd work extra hours. He'd do what he could. I'm saving up money. I'm saving up money. Why? I want to retire in Greece. 
he's from Poland, but he wanted to retire in Greece. He said, I, I know a beach down there. I'm going to buy me a house. And I'm, that's all he looked for was retirement. And I tried to tell him, what if you don't make it to retirement? Oh, I'll make it. I mean, he was, he was dead sure. That's all he lived for. That's all he spoke for was retirement. Sinful men are so eager to lay up treasures upon earth. They're diligent at it. They're eager. And yet when we look at many Christians, they're lazy, slothful. You know, the Bible says the Lord give us the desire of our hearts. We just mentioned this in passing. But I believe the Lord set the man by because it's the desire of your heart to tell others of Christ. So God grants that. We don't desire that. Why would God feel any way obligated to open up effectual doors? Seriously. He give us the desire of our hearts. If we but Christians could not understand that principle. It's a divine principle. Go ye therefore into all the world. I don't think the Lord was referring to the internet. <laughs> The Lord gives us the desire of our hearts. If we desire to lay up treasures in heaven, if we desire to know more of the things of God, to be more diligent in the service of God, God effectually opens up the doors. That's what it is. He that layeth up treasure. That's somebody who's storing things up. He's diligent in it. He's not slack. He's not slacking. He's not slothful. He's storing things up. So he that layeth up treasure for himself, only for himself, and is not rich toward God. Verse 21. This is someone who's storing up or laying up treasure for himself. Now in our text, Matthew says, lay up for yourself. It's one of the few places in Scripture where the Lord says, actually do something for yourself. But if we're laying it up merely for ourselves, because we're selfish and arrogant and prideful and covetousness, no. But if we're laying it up in heaven, quite different. This man was laying it up for himself upon earth. Many there be who are laying up treasures for themselves yet not rich in God. This is the question. Are we rich in God? You know, it, it makes it, it will make a tremendous difference in our life when we begin to look at everything around us as being simply vain and temporal. Everything. Doesn't matter what it is. Our homes, our lives. It's a passing world. There's nothing here we desire or long for as Christians. There's nothing here we want. And yet you look at Christians today, it looks like they're building an eternity. They're building an inheritance here on earth. <laughs> It's amazing when you begin to see how the wealth or the treasures of the earth can still influence even Christians. And they start hoarding these things up and loving the things of the world. Such treasures upon earth give them an appearance or temporal satisfaction, but that's it. 
treasures of the earth give a temporary satisfaction. They do. I think we've all lived long enough to experience some of the treasures of the earth we sought to, to, to keep or to lay up, and they were just in a temporal experience. They didn't last very long. They were quickly gone. There was no substance to it, no essence to it, no satisfaction to it, no contentment in it. I remember one time in Germany as a young Christian, just small example of what I'm talking about. My wife will recall, I, I, I really thought that I needed a 35-millimeter camera. You know, back then, one of them, you know, bigger ones. I mean, they, now they're really expensive. I really thought I needed one. I, got, I had to have one. had to have one. For months, I kept saying I had to. And my wife, you know, she's a little bit more, not as impatient as I am. She's always like, well, just wait. Finally, after a few months, I convinced her I got the camera. I got the camera. And I said, okay, I got the 35 millimeter. This is what I wanted. Two weeks later, it was sitting on the shelf, and I never used it for months. But I thought I needed it at the moment. You ever been there? I gotta have this. I need this. And you get it, and it's like, didn't really need that. Of course, not just one of the younger Christians either. I bought a video camera on them camcorders. You know, I thought, okay, good. I, you know, I got Jesse and grandson, and we'll take pictures and videos. And my son was still alive at the time, and this and that. So I bought. I, I never used it. I'd be giving it to my brother, but I thought I needed it at the time. There's so many things we, we're, we've all been there. We, 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 we think this is something that we need, and it turns out to be. But you know, I found out in my 40 years experience, when it has to do with the things of God and things of heaven, there's they have substance to it. They have essence to it. They have a satisfaction to it. Living for the things that you cannot see, the things that are eternal, that brings satisfaction. Nothing here does. For people to gather up treasures upon earth, it'll only prove to be their misery and woe. Look at James chapter 5. James chapter 5. James says a lot about this as well. James chapter 5. Love the book of James. James chapter 5. One to five. Listen to what James says. Go to now, you rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries. You wouldn't think that of somebody rich, right? Misery, that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Sounds like Matthew. <laughs> Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. See how it verifies with Matthew? The rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as, as were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who you have reaped down your fields, who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Shaboth. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. That's the end result of treasures of the earth. That's all it brings. That's why the Lord said, moth and rust does corrupt them, or thieves break through and steal them. That's what the treasures of the earth are. There, there's no substance to them. There's no value to them. There's no contentment to them. And yet that's what the world strives for. That's what the world lives for. 
Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be wealthy. Everybody wants to have everything they can. And beloved, be not deceived, for though such earthly treasures are vain and corrupt, they can be so appealing. Listen to me. They can be so appealing that even those that profess Christ can be smitten by them. And I think we've all had a taste of that. We're not immune to that temptation. We're not immune to the treasures of the earth. Sometimes they're very appealing. Look over in Mark chapter 4. I want you to see what happens to those. Mark chapter 4. Your poor wife. <laughs> she has such patience. Mark chapter 4. Look what they do. Look what the look what the treasures of the earth can do in the heart and life of a professing believer. Mark chapter 4 verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns. This is the sower. Such as hear the word. They hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. That's how powerful the treasures upon earth can be. That's how enticing they can be. They can choke the word to where they're unfruitful. Again, this is a professing believer. I hear some even now questioning that, saying, well, they wasn't a believer, that's why it happened. I'm telling you, it can still spiritually happen to a believer where the riches of the earth begin to choke the word and the word begins to have none effect upon us and begins to be unfruitful because we're seeking the things of the world. We're seeking the treasures of the earth. It still has that influence. God's elect are not immune to the pleasures of such earthly treasures. There are some people out there that believe merely being elect makes us immune to all temptation. I don't know where what they're reading, but it's surely not the Word of God. Being elect opens us up to temptation. Otherwise, Christ would never have been tempted, yet without sin in Matthew chapter 4. Earthly treasures can still appear appealing to us if we're not careful. And they're very, very deceptible and deceiving. And it can be, from the beginning, seemingly innocent of itself. And yet it takes over. And before long we find ourselves seeking the treasures of the earth and not seeking the treasures of heaven anymore. It's, it can happen. It, this is why the Lord, but this is why Paul exhorted every true believer in Titus to deny godliness and worldly lust by living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. He said, the grace of God has appeared unto us, teaching us to deny godliness and worldly lust by living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So yes, dearly beloved, is something that we as believers need to deny, reject, contend against. That's why the Lord says, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's why I said earlier, it's almost a shame for us to say it, but the world does labor more intensely after the earthly treasures than many Christians do for heavenly treasures. Sinful man out of self-love seek their own indulgence. 
That's a fact. Sinful man out of self-love seek their own indulgence. Yet the scriptures declare, and I hope we can bear witness to this, listen to me closely, those who are risen with Christ, according to Colossians, those who are risen with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. They set, according to that text, their affections. There's your treasure, your heart. They set their affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So there is a difference between those who seek earthly treasures and those who seek heavenly. God has given us a new desire, a new heart, a new affection. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it wasn't always that way. Isaiah 53 says we did not esteem him. We did not prize him. We did not treasure him. There was a time in our lives Christ meant nothing to us. But at salvation, when the Holy Spirit of God came into our hearts and our lives and we were born again by the Spirit of God, He gave us a new heart, a new desire. Now, He whom we did not esteem, we esteem higher than anything else. Our affections are now set on Him who sitteth on the right hand of the Father. Our treasure is in Christ, not in the things of the world. And even though the things of the world or the treasures of the world tempt us, we still esteem Christ higher than those things of the world. In fact, it was, it was Moses in Hebrews who even said he esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Even the reproaches for Christ are greater riches than the treasures of the world. That's how a Christian sees it. That's how we see it. God give us grace to be more diligent in laying up our, 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 for ourselves treasures in heaven, not upon the earth. Why would anyone, and let me bring this down to a close, but this is a good question to close. Why would anyone who has tasted by God's grace, according to Hebrews 6, the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, ever even slightly desire the vain and corrupt treasures upon earth? If we have tasted that the Lord is precious, God give us grace to deny the treasures of the earth. If we could but be reminded of what our Lord is exhorting us here to in our text today, everything in this world would seem so vain. I know now most of us are kind of up in the years. Some of us are still younger. We, when we were younger, we thought we'd live forever. But let me tell you something. This life is a vapor. It's everything you see. Children, everything you see, everything you can lay your eyes on in 50 years won't be here. And if you think you're young and you've got plenty of time, you're gravely mistaken. Because if the moth and rust of time does not corrupt it, the thief will break in and steal it. That's all this world has to offer. But the riches that we have in Christ are eternal. And if we could but see that, everything that happens in life is just a moment. 
tell my wife, I said, you know, and I kind of crossed my mind this morning thing on this. I said, you know, I go back to work tomorrow. There's so much work I got to do and I want to take a day off. And I go, and then I start thinking about the text and I said, you know, that's just irrelevant. It doesn't matter. A week went by already. Where'd it go? A year has gone by already. Where'd it go? We're facing July. We just had January. It's been a moment. Nothing here I'm looking on, nothing I'm looking at right now is eternal. Nothing. Has no value. But oh, when I think about the treasures in heaven, an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, <laughs> kept by the power of God under faith, under the day of salvation. That is a true treasure. That is a treasure every true believer desires and longs for. So I encourage you, I exhort you this morning, dearly beloved, learn to deny the treasures upon the earth because they're vain, they're empty, they're not fulfilling, they're corrupt. And I guarantee you, we have some treasures in this life. We do. Whether it be family, loved ones, it doesn't matter. And listen to me closely. They are treasures, and we treasure them. But listen to me, and I mean this soberly, but I mean this earnestly. They're not eternal. Only Christ is. a very sobering thought. I believe that's why the Lord said, if you're not willing to deny yourself and your father, your mother, your brothers and sisters, for my sake, you're not worthy of me. Nobody else can be more esteemed in our hearts and our affections than Christ. Nobody. Even our own loved ones and children. Christ must be first and foremost. And everything below that falls in place. Because everything in earth is vain, temporal, and only here for a minute, only here for a second. But Christ is eternal. May God give us grace to be reminded of that in our text. A very sobering. That's why he says, if your eye's single. In other words, you can't have two things. Your eye's got to be single. You've got to be set on one thing. That's what he's talking about. It's got to be set on one. It's a single. Set your eye on Christ, and your light shall be good. But if you don't, your body or your life's going to be full of darkness. And he said, great is that darkness. That's the great, severe exhortation. It's not just a request. He said, if I'm not your greatest treasure. I'm going to be your greatest trouble. And you'll have darkness, great darkness. One eye upon Christ. Then we can set our priorities. Then we can see the things that God's given us so richly to enjoy. Then we can truly enjoy those things. And Christ is the greatest treasure of all. Amen. May God be honored and glorified in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, how corrupt and vain the treasures upon this earth are, how often they they appear appealing to us. Lord, oftentimes we've fallen snare to their trap only to realize the vanity of it. It brought us nothing. Even, Lord God, in our placing our treasure in our hearts and affections on friends and loved ones and family. Lord, the only thing that we can 
put our trust and our faith and our love and affection in that is eternal as you. Dear God, I pray that you'd help us to see that and grasp that. For when we do, everything else, family, loved ones, possessions, they'll have their proper place in our hearts. Oh, dear God, we pray that you'd help us to love you supremely. The love you require and demand of us is not a partial heart, but it's to love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds. Every, every energy, everything of our being, we are to love you with. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to see and realize that. For only then shall we find peace and contentment. Father, we love you and thank you for all things and pray you bless this word to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.